1: This is Difference Makers. Welcome. My name is Mike Lee, Director of Local Ministries for True Talk 800, now on 106.3 FM in East Portland and Vancouver, 93.9 KPDQ, AM 860 The Answer KPAM, Lopertona 1640, 93.1 Elray, and 104.1 The Fish. And I'd love to talk with you about getting more people back to your church, sharing about your ministry through our free online church directory and our church service live stream directory. Expanding your ministry or business beyond your walls, establishing yourself as an authority in your field, and becoming more known through radio and podcasting, building awareness of your company or outreach by hosting our events at your location at no risk to you, marketing your message or brand directly to your target audience through the latest and most powerful online tools of Salem Surround, and most importantly, if your ministry leader or pastor could use a phone call, a word of encouragement, A cup of coffee or connection to others, please email me at MikeLee at KPDQ.com. That's M-I-K-E-L-E-E at KPDQ.com. Georgine Rice and I were wandering around Mission Connection. And one of the booths where we stopped was for Prep for Kids. So I'm very proud to welcome the director of Prep for Kids, Joni Miletic. You can check out more details about the organization at the website, Prepforkids.org, and that's spelled prep, the number four, kids.org, or call them at 503 281 7764. So, welcome, Joni Militich. How are you today?
2: Good. Thank you so much, Mike. Good to be in studio with you.
1: Well, you've been on the Georgine Rice Show before. Right, so, right? this is old hat to you, radio veteran Joni Militich. A couple, so, couple of doors down. Last time you interviewed with Georgine, Was there anything in particular that you talked about?
2: Uh, We just gave an overview of what we do and especially wanted to tell people during COVID, while so much was changed, that we were doing an alternate program to in-person Bible classes for public school kids and shepherding them and looking forward to going back hopefully next fall, 2023, to actually sit down and open Bible in person with public school kids.
1: So we hope and pray that that goes well for you. And if people might be newer to the area, Joni, what's the big picture? What is Prep for Kids?
2: Prep for Kids, we've been around 39 years serving Multnomah and Clackamas and Washington counties. And bottom line, we teach once a week. One hour Bible classes for public school kids. As amazing as that sounds.
1: Once a week for one hour. Mm -hmm. How well have the public school kids received this? I'm curious.
2: Very well over the years. We require parent permission. The Oregon law that codifies this and protects it and directs it. uh, Says that we have to meet during the school day so that all kids, all families can access some religious education alongside that secular worldview the rest of the day that their kids receive. Uh, We have to meet off campus, usually in a nearby church. Parent permission, of course, is required. It's a free class for parents. We have found that Christian families are the catalysts that say we want this. For God's voice to be able to be in the middle of my kid's school week while they're Learning the other facts, we want them to know that their faith is a fact-based, evidence-based faith. These parents request the class, and we arrange it at a non-intrusive time of day. And then it becomes an outreach, very positive in the kids' lives. And once you have a class started, the kids invite others, and the classes just grow. Um Our average class size is anywhere from 15 to seventy just depending on the response. So the presence of the Holy Spirit in these teachers' lives and the Word of God that's unlike any other book in the world, one hour with that, the kids are really drawn to this time.
1: Just one hour once per week. Right. So what age groups are you addressing specifically, Joni?
2: We focus on elementary And we do conduct about a fourth of our classes for middle school students. Generally, those represent families that became aware of our program in an elementary school and say, please keep it going through middle school. So we are largely elementary focused when there is parent request. We carry some middle school classes as well.
1: Well, that's wonderful. So. How long ago did Prep for Kids originate?
2: 39 years this
1: year. Wow. Congratulations. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The Lord sustained it and moved us through about a quarter of all the schools. And of course, there's hundreds in uh, the Tri-County area through the years.
1: So tell us, how has Prep for Kids been able to adjust to the pandemic era where there Mm -hmm. were so many closures for a while?
2: Right. Uh, we had to accept the loss that we couldn't conduct in-person classes. This is our third year now where we've um, designed an alternate program to stay connected to the families that were still enrolling year by year to continue to deliver the word. And what we've done is do monthly mailings that we've designed out of our office. We're, we're former teachers in there. So we've designed hands on colorful learning packets, giving some scriptural teaching, and we mail those to the kids once a month. And then our volunteers that used to be teaching the in person classes have taken on the role of shepherding, calling, sending birthday cards, going by for visits in the families. We received word just a couple months ago, this third year of our COVID years, as we're calling it, that we could indeed, resume in-person classes when we're able to do that. So we're looking toward 2023. But I think people are aware that medical institutions and school institutions really had the most COVID protocols to be followed, the most health and safety. So we were limited during that time, but we're looking forward to going back to actually um, conducting in-person classes. We are release time. Bible classes are the only legal provision for spiritual input in the public school systems. So we have been grateful to have our foot in that door, and the Lord's held it open
1: for us to resume. Interesting. I was not aware of that. So Mm -hmm. congratulations to you and the crew at Prep for Kids, Joni. So are there certain staff members that stand out that have been really helpful to your cause over the years that you want to say hi to or send a shout out to?
2: I would say if we have the Pearsons in the Gresham area and the Rolies and the Mays down in the Oregon City area and Countryside Community Church out in Sherwood, and we've been out as far as Dilly and Forest Grove area to the Methodist Church out in Banks, many friends that are spread through the area. We're just grateful.
1: I'm encouraged by the different types of churches Mm -hmm. that you just listed. So is prep for kids part of any denomination?
2: No, we're non-denominational, or you could call us multi-denominational. We teach through the Bible, Genesis through Revelation, and there's many opportunities for the Holy Spirit to bring kids to a commitment to Christ since the Gospels through the whole Scripture. But we just teach the essentials, Let the word of God speak for itself, and where we differ on non essentials or faith and practice issues, like maybe baptism or end times teaching or things where we differ, we do not teach our own denominational preferences.
1: Kind of like the radio ministries that we host here at Salem Mm -hmm. Media Group. Right. Keep the main thing the main main thing thing, salvation through Jesus, important to the Bible, and the others. Let's have a healthy debate over and look into and study more and know that it's okay for us to have differing opinions. Yes,
2: yes. And the Lord can speak through the minor prophets, if that's where we are at, or all through the Scripture, Jesus presents himself to these kids. And we are not heavy on evangelism, pressing for decisions. I can't tell you how many kids have come to Christ through for kids. We just allow the Spirit to work in these kids' lives, and he presents his love to them and his reality to them. During some of the lessons, you would least expect it,
1: but he's seeking and saving. That's wonderful, Joni. So for someone who works with the public schools, I think you've got a better eye on what kids and families are going through. Mm -hmm. So what's your perspective in this COVID environment era that we live in? Are they feeling hope, despair? How do they feel about the academics themselves? Are they having issues socially, learning to get along with people in person as opposed to on a screen?
2: Mm -hmm. I'd say yes to all of those. (laughs) A lot of anxiety, a lot of dislocation, relocation, uncertainty. Maybe I could just share a few stories of the kids' experiences before COVID that are now exacerbated by COVID. One of the things that makes the classes so vital is the mixing of kids that are already coming from a faith base in their family and other kids who, even 25 years ago when I was involved in a class, did not know the Christmas record, did not know the Easter record 25, 30 years ago, post-Christian. And we know how exciting it is when we're with someone who is hearing the claims of Christ for the first time, and there's this awakening going on. So it's great to see God at work in your school buddy's life. So there's this wonderful vitality in these classes that I would say is very different to then stepping into like a class, a Sunday school class of children at our churches. But within our classes, this year one of the families we're serving The child has both parents that are incarcerated. Throughout our classes, there are always children who have at least one parent in prison. COVID has only increased grandparents' involvement in kids' lives and guardianship because parents have lost jobs, parents are working extra jobs, families have moved. We're serving a family right now. They are in their third school this year. So families continue to struggle with what school or what school format is going to work for their kids right now. One of our families, one of our volunteer teams went to visit, and this was four years ago now before COVID, one of our students in the home, a home visit, only to find out that this little girl was under the guardianship of her grandparents and her father was in a wheelchair Now a paraplegic, he'd been in an auto accident. The mom had left the family, and this was the setting this little girl was functioning under. Another family, the child had experienced multiple losses and was meeting with the grief counselor at her public school, again under the guardianship of grandparents. And the grief counselor said to The grandmother, I can't believe how well this this child is doing with the losses she sustained. And the grandmother's reply was, it's the prep for kids class. She loves her prep for kids class. She knows God loves her and has a good plan for her life. Another little boy in the Gresham area, they'd been, I'm not even sure what the Bible lesson was that day, but when he left the class, he went up to one of the male Volunteers and whispered, This is my family. Prep for kids. A few years back now, we had a little gal enrolled elementary again, and her mom was suffering with severe addiction. And at night, the little girl would pray by the bedside of her mom when her mom was, you know, zoned out and praying for her mom to come to know Jesus and her mom's addiction was broken. Her mom came to saving faith like her daughter. The stories just go on. So the opportunity for kids to come under the power of the word of God and the love of God when they walk into these classrooms is, it's really a testament to how Jesus is coming after these children and connecting with them through his word and through his people. So it's an exciting opportunity. Maybe I could share one more. Oh, please do. Um, As far as the impact it can have within a church, churches that partner with us, whether they have a team of volunteers that we've um, supervised and trained and we, we provide the Bibles and the curriculum or whether they've just said, we're near, we're near a school here within a mile or so. You can use our van and you can have your class here, whatever level of participation. The sky is really the limit as far as how that church can then become a partner with these families. In one of our classes, our coordinators, the lead teachers, got a call early in the morning from the public school connected to their prep class. And the school secretary said, one of our families, a single mom with three kids, lost her home last night to a house fire and they're not even enrolled in your class, but you have said you want to help our families. Can you help this family? So our coordinators hung up, called the host church pastor there and said, this is the deal. Can we help this family? Their mission house at the church was not occupied at the time. So they turned the mission house on their premises over to this Buddhist mom and her three kids, and took up love offerings, met the needs of this family for over a month until they were on their feet again. And after they moved in, the next Sunday, this family were in the pews of that church to meet this congregation that had responded to their need. Where they went in their journey with the Lord, I can't tell you, they didn't come back the next Sunday, that's in the Lord's hands, but this church was able to be connected to a community family through our class. We know that it's really hard for seekers to come into our churches. Recently, I was on my way to a church that's not my church to go to church there because I needed to connect with a couple of the members afterward and have a meeting, and that was the easiest way to do it. And I'm on the way to the church, and I'm very nervous. I'm thinking things like, who am I going to sit with? Will I know the songs. And that's when it struck me. Joni, you have sung in churches, you've spoken in churches, you know the pastor, you know people there, and you're still nervous to go to this church that's not your church. And I thought, how much more somebody who's in crisis in their life or or being drawn to God but not knowing where to get answers, it's super hard for them to walk into one of our churches. But these classes are an easy way for a family to begin to search out through their kids' Bible class and a connection with the local church to begin to search out the claims of Christ.
1: What I want you to do, friends, is check out Joni Miletic's website, prepforkids.org, which is spelled prep, the number four, kids.org, and I'll link that up to the Difference Makers page at truetalk800.com. You can also call Prep for Kids at 503-281-7764. That's area code 503 281 7764. More with director Joni Militich from Prep for Kids next on Difference Makers. Welcome back to Difference Makers. Mike Lee here with our very special guest expert. She is the director of Prep for Kids, Joni Miletic, and make sure to check out her website prepforkids.org and that's spelled prep the number 4 kids.org. Joni, I am amazed and proud of you for getting your Bible-based program into public elementary schools with the help of local locations and teachers and churches and hosts and even transportation. So could you give us the big picture? Walk us through one of these classes, which is just one hour, once a week, for fourth grade Billy at Joe's Public School.
2: Billy has already been invited to the class by Johnny. And so that means that Billy's parents have received a flyer that was brought home either passed by Johnny's parents or Johnny himself to his friend, inviting him to the next prep class. And it could be three months into the school year. We keep open enrollment so kids can come in halfway through the year and just join us where we are. So Billy has taken that home. The parents have read the overview and said, sure, that'll be fine, and signed the permission slip. So the parents know we're Bible-based. We're teaching about Christ. And when we meet, the class is free, but we need their permission. So the parent has signed the permission form that's quite detailed, sends it back to school with Johnny, or the parent can drop it off at the school office themselves. And the office has a copy of all the permission slips so they know which kids are cleared to leave the campus. Let's say it's Wednesday during the lunch hour and the recess right after lunch for an hour and fifteen minutes. So the school knows who's cleared. They make a quick call to our class coordinator to say you have uh, two new students this week because Johnny's coming and his sister Susie is coming also. You've got a third grader and a fourth grader. When our team shows up at the campus Wednesday. Our volunteers go into the office. The kids are quietly dismissed from their class or instead of going to the cafeteria, they grab their bag lunch and they go to the school office. At the school office, our team takes role and takes those kids via the transportation that's either covered under the, our insurance can cover the the church's vans or buses or we've got our volunteers driving that are approved. They go to a church nearby. And let me just say, it can also be a business where somebody has a conference room that they would let kids come to once a week. It doesn't have to just be churches within a couple of miles, so we don't eat up much time driving. And there's music going in the room because most of the volunteers are there, not driving, and have the space prepared, and the Bibles are out, and the activities, the worksheets, and the singing starts, and the... Teaching starts, and often they split up into small groups for more grade-focused teaching, time of prayer in small groups, and somewhere between 45 minutes to an hour and 15, whatever we've worked out with a school principal, the kids are back on the the bus or the van and being driven back to the school. They check back in with the office, slip back into the class. Generally, they are not missing any schoolwork, but if they are missing some non-core subject material. Uh, The kids, by law, are um, supposed to make that work up, get it turned back in for full credit, so there's no academic loss there uh, because we do operate under the parents' rights law that says this is how these classes work, and that's the value of our program over against um, a group of believers or just a church wanting to operate a, a class for public school kids is we've got the system and the structure in place that we've been using for 39 years to uh, facilitate the classes and just guide the church and the school relationship in this
1: so 39 plus years later the bugs are out of the system and you're right. a bit of a well-oiled machine with the public schools in this area in addition to Whatever churches or businesses are becoming the local host venue around a mile or two right. around each public school.
2: Right, right. And often we're able to bring students from two nearby classes because we've all seen sometimes these public schools are just a couple of miles from each other. They're all through a community. So we're able to sometimes pull two or even three schools together in one class. And our real prayer going forward as we resume in-person classes in the fall is to get word out there to families that are now uh, perhaps in a homeschool co-op where there is um, the opportunity for outreach among some of the families there or in charter schools or in online academies or in a hybrid academy where your child is half on an academy campus but half online, we'd like these classes to become very eclectic and blended, not just the brick and mortar public schools, but we know families are spread into all kinds of formats as they try to find what works for their kids right now, and we want it to be y'all come. Well, how neat
1: would that be? I don't Mm -hmm. have any doctrine to back this up, Joni Miletic, but my imperfect view of heaven is... It ought to look like the DMV on a Friday afternoon, (laughs) the oldest of the old, the youngest of the young, completely diverse altogether. And while it's been great that Prep for Kids has done so much with the public schools, how much cooler would it be to add charter, private and homeschooling students to these Prep for Kids Bible meetings that are only going to take one hour once per week?
2: Mm -hmm. Right. And I think it models for kids how the body of Christ is supposed to work, the diversity in the body and the demographics and our life situations. And some of my favorite teaching teams, uh, volunteer teams over the years have been those where believers have heard about this, like through this opportunity today, called the office and said, I'd like to volunteer. Maybe I'm a retired school teacher, or maybe I like to drive You know, can I help drive or I just want to be around these kids and be presence and supervision and praying over them during the class. And three or four, six believers come together out of a community that are all at different churches that connects us with all those churches. And I think is a real working together in the body that glorifies the Lord and I think is
1: evident to the kids as well. I'm so impressed by what you and Prep for Kids are doing with these students, Joni. So can you share any experiences with the public school? Have you ever had any pushback or difficulties? Yes.
2: Yes, we have. Oh, let's see. I would say that I have a background in teaching, too, and I understand that those 30 hours a week have interruptions for teachers and for kids. And you're you're working for continuity. So for a teacher to know or a principal t- to know that there's a group of parents that want to access their parent right to insert a, a religious uh, discussion and worldview into their kids' um, secular education to know, okay, there's going to be this once a week approved absence of this group of parents. On the surface, it can feel like an intrusion. If you're in administration and haven't watched our program work before, I think it's like most things until you see it work. uh, We're hesitant. It's one more thing. So we have learned and parents have learned just to respectfully access this right and work with the administration at the school with the time that they give us. We don't go in and say this is a law. All the parents need to know about it. We begin with the families that have heard about it and are willing to grow small. But generally, once the program begins and the classroom teachers and the administration see some of the stability and the well-being it brings to students, there's a good reputation and a subtleness that comes with the schools. So uh, we know that, and that's a work of... The Lord's Spirit, and we purpose to move with grace among the schools. We have had, well, let me say it this way: the open um, parent nights, when the schools are having parent night, and there's uh, meet the teachers and go around the booths and see what outside programs and supplemental clubs are available. Sometimes we've been at those openings, allowed to be there, and a parent who is really hostile to Christianity. We'll bring it up with the school. And we just handle those if they come up. And um, our approach would not be to dig in and say, we deserve to be here. We can be here beside the Boy Scouts booth or whatever. We work with that local administrator to say we are not crossing any church state lines here that we shouldn't. You know and we know that there's this parents' rights law actually throughout the country upholded by the Supreme Court, Uh, but we're not trying to make waves for you. How would you like us to adjust how we get information to the families? We have had sometimes teachers who have tried to intimidate the kids, that are going to the class, honestly, and that is just something that parents and kids have to discuss themselves. And it's an opportunity, I think, for parents to talk with a third grader and say, they don't know Jesus, they don't understand that he loves them, and we're still going to be kind and respectfully just go to our class, but you don't need to be afraid. So I don't know if that is helpful, I can give you one more story of the kind of change that sometimes the schools see. Uh, I've already mentioned that the permission slips come in through the year as these classes grow. And one week when our team, I believe it was in the Oregon city area, went to the school to collect the kids, take role. Um, and they were, they were told our coordinators by the school secretary, you have a new enrollee this week. Uh, I think he was about fourth grade, as I remember, and they said, we really don't think you should take him to your prep class because he's he's throwing furniture around his classroom. We cannot get control of this child, so we think he's going to decimate your class. (laughs) So our coordinator said the parents have, he's been invited, the parents want him in our class, let's give it a go, we're going to take him. From day one, that young man sat in the class and was not a behavior problem at all. He came back for weeks and weeks and had no uh, similarity to the, the description that the school had given of him. And um, even though our, our, our teachers know what they're doing, <laughs> I just know that a change like that is something the Spirit of God brings about in a child when they come into his presence— and into the love and the peace and the joy of God's spirit. So in that case, it was a matter of telling the school office, thank you for your counsel, but we serve everybody who comes, and we're going to give this a go.
1: And as a result, that young boy thrived. I'm so glad to hear that Prepper Kids <laughs> has taken the parent rights laws and used them Just to share more about the love of Christ for just one hour once a week with these public school kids. And I'm happy that you're also trying to expand beyond the walls of simply public school to private schools, charter schools, homeschooling kids. So good for you, Joni Militich, the director of Prep for Kids. Make sure to check out Joni's website, prepforkids.org. That's prep, the number four, kids.org, which is linked up to the Difference Makers page at truetalk800.com. More with Prep for Kids director Johnny Milititz next on Difference Makers. You're listening to Difference Makers. I'm Mike Lee, and Johnny Milititz serves as the director of Prep for Kids... The website, prep4kids.org, has many details about how this ministry for 39 years, and then some, has reached into the public schools for a one-hour class once a week and reach Kids for Christ. It is a non-denominational or multi-denominational ministry, and I just love what you have been able to do so far, Joni. So thank you for... The sacrifices that you and your staff and your families have made to spread the love of Christ to a world that so desperately needs Him. And as a parent, I need to ask you this. How do you vet the people working with Prep for Kids, also the drivers and the teachers and the prayer partners and the venue churches and businesses that host these kids in the middle of a school day?
2: We do have a pretty thorough application process and, of course, checking of references. We do a thorough background check. And there is, for those volunteers that come through those hoops, then there's a child safety training program that they must pass, watch the video training, pass the quiz, the test, and we renew that periodically. If someone has volunteered with us, and then is not free to volunteer for a period of years, they begin that process over because we don't know what their life has been like while they've been away from us. So we do carefully vet the
1: volunteers. Well, I'm glad to hear prep for kids does its due diligence when it comes to putting these adults in front of these kids Mm -hmm. and sharing the love of Christ.
2: And I can share too, part of what we've worked out from the beginning, but Over the years is a very thorough training for our volunteers on the classroom practices also, where you can be in respect to the children physically during the class, transportation, safety, and of course now health protocols. So there's a system for how these classes work. So that safety is ensured. One example would be that if we're in a church, we have to ask that that church is locked the whole time we are present. And we work that out with the office. So there cannot be intruders into the building while we're there. And other protocols like that are in place.
1: So prep for kids is making sure that these kids taking these classes for one hour once a week are in a safe environment. Right. Good for you, Joni Milita. And the
2: churches are not under the liability for them. Our program, our liability insurance covers the church while we are present. So uh, we have insurance.
1: What other facts should uh, a potential host venue for Prep for Kids know, whether it's a church or a business within a short distance of one of these Mm -hmm. schools?
2: Right. If you... Are a church, for example, and you are close enough to a school that it would make sense for us to transport kids either walking <laughs> across the street or driving them to your church campus. We're committed to, you know, the careful care of your building and the setup of the classes and the tear down of the classes. I don't know if that answers the question. There's no financial requirement on the church or insurance, as I mentioned, required of the church. I think I mentioned if we use your church vans, they come under our Brotherhood Mutual insurance also. We provide the Bibles. We are donor-supported as a nonprofit, and we have the Bibles, we have the curriculum and the materials. The cost to the church would just be that we would be taking up some space one day a week. So that wouldn't be available for your women's Bible studies or meetings. And yeah. It doesn't seem
1: like you have to jump through too many hoops to be a host venue for prep for kids. No,
2: and the value to a church only accelerates and multiplies. The more involved you want to become, the churches that actually have the volunteers coming out of that site Obviously, have more ownership in that congregation. It's easier to connect your whole body to praying for that class and them knowing the teachers that are doing it on Wednesday afternoon. You can have spaghetti feeds for the prep families. You can decide to, if the class is going to meet at lunch, you can tell the kids uh, and the families, we're going to provide the bag lunch that day. So it's really up to a church's creativity, how they want this to be a springboard, even though the costs of the class and the supervision and the responsibility and the liability are on our shoulders.
1: Well, that's wonderful. So as an official nonprofit 501c3 organization as Prep for Kids is. Mm -hmm. Does that mean that donations made to Prep for Kids are tax deductible?
2: Yes. Yes.
1: So, do you have any great needs? You mentioned that you supply your own this, that, the other thing in Bibles, but what are you short on? What could you use (laughs) a little boost in, Joni? We have a small
2: office staff, myself and two other ladies in the office. So, we run a small ship through a generous gift a PrEP supporter Uh, about 25 years ago. We own our property in Northeast Portland, free and clear. So we have an office, which is a tremendous gift. We can always use funds just for basic operation. I tell people, you know, we have our Bibles purchased. We have our curriculum purchased. Our volunteers volunteer their time The costs are those unseen costs of any business or any organization. Keeping the lights on as the costs go up, (laughs) paying for the garbage, paying for all of the permits you have when you own property, just those nuts and bolts. We do a lot of communication out of the office. There's printing costs, there's supply costs that way. So the non-glamorous, just real life, oh my goodness, you have to pay for that too sort of costs are really what people's gifts enable. We would love to, as we resume, be able to have some special events that pulled together all of our donors and the actual enrolling families and their children. We have thought of how terrific it would be to have a summation at the end of the year by one of those walk-through-the-Bible seminars just for kids where they they learn hand motions and it's super active course that reviews all of what they learned for a whole year but you know there's special projects like that where we would fly in these special teaching experts we would love to be able to do something like that So uh, whatever God lays on people's hearts, if you have a van that you do not drive anymore, (laughs) that you would be able to make available for us for a class, you know, those practical things, kind of the gamut.
1: Great thoughts, Joni Militich, director of Prep for Kids. And I love the story that you just shared about the public school that was warning you about a troubled young boy that you might not want in your prep for a kid's class, and yet you took him, and he did well as a result. So are there Mm -hmm. other examples that you've had over 39-plus years Mm -hmm. of the public school looking out for you and doing positive things? I think the
2: basic way support has been shown is in the relationship that develops with the staff in the school office. I mentioned that there can be hesitance at the beginning. Many of the administrative positions in the public schools are held by uh, principals and assistant principals and office staff, even superintendents that are relatively young, new in their career, and they don't have a historical experience with Prep for Kids. So we do find more and more that the principals have never experienced release time uh, in other states or in the state of Oregon. So we're completely new to them. The, The concept is alien of what we do. So I think where we see the positive is it's important to not make them feel like, what? You haven't ever heard of this? It's been around in the country for a hundred years, <laughs> and in Oregon since you know the the, the Supreme Court since the fifties, but to graciously kind of educate them on what it is and invite them to participate, even if they're hesitant, and then to watch uh, our inter- our interfacing is mainly with the office staff, the secretaries, and to see the them change from hesitant like "Who are you?" and "How does this work?" to being very positive and supportive just in that weekly pickup of the children. That's really about the extent of our relationship with the public schools, because we are not school supported. We don't ask anything of them. We try to just minimize even their paperwork related to us in the office. So we try to just be this quiet guest that shows them we're not disrupting this world, or asking you to put in time for what we do. So we make it as user-friendly and as, I keep using the word, unintrusive, as possible. So just to see the relaxation, I think, and a quiet support, that's what we look for.
1: And I would guess that the fact that you go so far out of your way for prep for kids to play nicely with the schools... Mm makes them more open to your contributions, which aren't costing them anything.
2: Right, right. And we did, you know, we wondered what was happening during COVID. Will we get back? Or post-COVID, will the many restrictions about how kids are moved in the school, whether the small groups of students can intermix, whether we can take them off campus, will we ever get past the protocols? Because there were many in the schools. But we knew we were the only legal pathway for a seeking parent or a believing parent to access a Christian worldview during that academic week. And we wanted to remain available, hoping that we could once again be present. It was worth waiting and running an alternative program to keep that unique connection we have. People have sometimes asked us, why don't you meet after school, which is a good question. The first answer is because legislators are the ones starting 100 years ago across the country that said this counterbalance to a completely secular public education needs to be present for families. So legislators thought of this and had a declared written concern for the moral development of students in the country. So it started with legislators, and they felt that it was important and powerful enough to happen during the academic day. They wanted it to be a class. They didn't want it to be an after-school club. They wanted every family to be able to access it. And what we have experienced here in our tri-county area about after-school programs is that in the last multiple years now, the schools now serve breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and they run an extensive after-school program till 5 or 5.30. So they are using their building largely after school. And to me, it makes sense that to have other clubs running around and meeting has not been advantageous for them. They want to just focus on their program, and they have their hands full with that. And some of the other, um, even Christian outreaches that functioned after school, after school clubs have had to pull out of our tri-county area schools because there is no longer a room for them. And they were always paying rent for those, which some um, people aren't aware of also. And in one case, the district uh, multiplied that rent over the summer four times. So it became prohibitive for programs to meet after school. And the number of families that are dependent on the bus or other after-school functions really limits the range of families that can participate in these classes compared to the school day. And when we've been able to see classes grow to 70 kids, because every kid in the school truly could come to this class if the parents wanted them to, um, it's been worth waiting and keeping our foot in the door to be the only program that can do this during the school day.
1: Joni Milicic is the director of Prep for Kids. You can call the office at 503-281-7764. Any closing words and thoughts from you, Joni?
2: Well, thank you so much for the chance to get to share this. We have quite an adventure in these classes, and to get the word to people is such a value to us. So I would I would say if what we've described is the answer to someone's prayer for their child or their grandchild or even a retiree, let's say, that wants somewhere to volunteer that has a burden for what families and children are going through in these schools. If you've been praying, how can I really connect with my community and make a difference for these kids? If we're the answer to your prayer, uh, reach out to us. If a church is uh, discouraged with community connection and really being able to interface with the lives of people who are seeking in their community. Everybody's kids go to school. (laughs) That's where you find people, and allow us to be that bridge to your believers in your church, to your church staff by connecting you to families in local schools.
1: For just one hour, once per week, Prep for Kids is reaching out with the gospel to kids in public schools, and now hoping to expand to homeschoolers, private schoolers, charter schoolers as well. So please check out the website, prepforkids.org. That's prep, the number four, kids.org. And Joni Militich, thank you so much for what you're doing in the community.
2: It's our privilege, and I'm the fourth director, which needs said. Um, I did not begin this ministry, and it's my privilege to be standing in the gap right now.
1: Thank you so much, Joni Militich of Prep for Kids. And thank you for listening to Difference Makers.